Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Schwan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and at Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Don't forget to also follow the show while you're at it at True North CF Pod on Facebook and Instagram and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So let's jump into the news here. Riders offensive lineman Dan Clark uh, had a pretty nasty injury against, I believe it was the Elks. And there's some reports he could miss the season. I don't know how true that is. Uh, We got an update today. It's a broken fib and what he describes as a shifted ankle bone. So that could be, yeah, that could be quite serious. So he'll be out for at least a couple months, probably. And then Elks, I saw this and people were kind of throwing shade at this guy for this. I don't know if you guys think this is fair or foul, but Elks offensive lineman Mark Corte missed the Elks home opener uh, for his wedding. Fair or foul? Um, foul. Yeah, no. Completely. I'm going to say, like, you plan a wedding a year in advance, and I mean, you know when the season is. And you typically know you're playing on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday nights. So for them to do that just seems really weird. Uh, yeah. Like, I've seen a whole yeah. bunch of other CFL players comment, like old, like retired players. They're like, I would have never done this in my day. You literally have a whole, like, you have a whole half of the year where you know you won't have to worry about it. And it's not like he's really, like, he's not one of those players that have to work in the offseason. He's the highest paid offensive lineman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Like- <laughs> I know uh, one player I think summed it up well. It's like he said, there's a reason most CFL players have their anniversaries in March and April, you know, because exactly. right before the season, like get it done. And yeah, I don't know what he was thinking, scheduling his wedding well, now. But could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine if like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting lineman missed the first, like missed a game for his wedding? Yeah. People would be all over that. For yeah. sure. Like if Tristan Wirfs missed a game and then Brady gets blown up, you know, that yeah, that's was, everywhere, you know? That's the cover, exactly. And then BC Lions sign productive NFL running back Brian Hill, which is interesting considering how well James Butler just played. And then remember this guy? Uh the Bombers bring back global player Theatric Hansen. One of probably the, um, sorry, I'm jumping the gun on it, but one of the most successful stories towards internet, like towards global players. I would say, in my opinion. Yeah. Other than like the punters, I would probably say he's probably the best global player. Yeah. Because he is like, he's had legitimate impact on the Bombers. Yeah. And then Dane Evans was limited at practice due to a knee issue. So, stay in. And then let's get into recaps. Now, I am going to have to recuse myself from some of these because I was attending weddings uh, last weekend. So, I 
cannot comment on some of these games. However, I can comment on our first one here. Montreal, Toronto, 20-19. Uh, this ending was uh, something else. But yeah, <laughs> let's get into the recap here. Woody, who would you start next week for Montreal, given that they pulled VA in favor of Trevor Harris? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you don't want to take away VA's kind of motivation, but Trevor Harris didn't do bad last week. He didn't get them the win, but they should have won. So I, I think it's a really tough decision. I mean, I think you throw VA in there, but his leash is even tighter. And if he keeps playing the way he is, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, looking at um, looking at Trevor Harris's numbers, it's not insane like i mean zero touchdowns to one pick that's not great 60 percent completion rate compared to i mean i guess he's small sample size from vernon adams but i mean he was 50 percent. he only threw four passes but he was 50 percent. and i'm inclined to agree that yeah it's like let's like give vernon adams that one final shot where it's like we really want this to be your team but we're gonna go with who gets us wins and if and if trevor harris excuse me looks more likely to get you those wins then you can't keep doing what's going to have you lose. For sure. And if I was running the team, I'd say who puts you in the best position to win. And that's Trevor Harris. But this team has also made significant investments into Vernon Adams. So I think they give him one more week here. And I think he's playing for his job this week against the Riders. Yep. Which new edition of the Argos was the most successful? You know, I, I'm going to say Andrew Harris. Brandon Banks did have a touchdown, but just the way Andrew Harris kind of controlled that first half of the game for the Argos, I'm going to say he had a bigger impact. But shout out to Brandon Banks for that touchdown too. It's it's good to see them both doing well. Um, Which new addition was most successful? I mean, it's a shame because he got hurt a little bit, but like I think Andrew Harris had like a crazy game for someone who was like, possibly going to be having like you know maybe that's the bomber fan of me talking but like i think he had a huge impact especially early game just looked like a man on a mission with um how he was handling that and like hurtling guys and stuff too yeah like he i think he definitely was i don't know how you really argue for someone else brandon banks was good but harris was kind of most of their offense for a good portion of that game, you know, it seemed like every other play they were going to him in Montreal just at times they couldn't stop him. So for me, I think it's definitely Andrew Harris. And then let's get to the elephant in the room for this game. <laughs> that ending. Oof. That, that ending. Uh, chip shot field goal to win the game, and it goes wide left. Uh,. <laughs> Is that the biggest choke that you have seen in a CFL game? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't get much closer than that. I mean, when we hit, when the Riders hit the, like when Cody Fajardo hit the field goal post a few years ago in the playoffs, that sucked. But man, this was a 22-yard field goal. And like to win the game and just to lose that way, like to see those players as disheartened as they were after the game, it was just tragic, but you couldn't help but laugh a bit too. Cause it was just like, like you're never going to like, it's just yeah. ridiculous. It was you're, crazy. You're never going to see that again. Yeah. I don't no, think. hopefully not. 
Um, Hopefully not. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring up another writer's situation, but the only one that I can think that compares to this is the too many men call. Yeah. That's where I was going. I was going (laughs) to say that is it. That is the only game I've ever cried at was the 13th man that. Yeah. The man, I was, I was, I was pretty close to, um, during the 2011 one too. So, but like, I, I feel like in 2011, we pretty much got slapped around for the great cup game. So I kind of knew right away that we were done. But yeah. um, but yeah, no. So I think the, you had it worse, for sure. I think the the thirteenth man, I think, is definitely probably the biggest choke that I remember, and I am counting that as a choke. But this is definitely up there in terms of like the funny ones. Like, I, you have such an easy kick to win the game, and they have a good kicker too. It's not like Montreal has you know this guy who's like a crappy kicker who they should replace immediately. It's like Last year of the new kickers, he was probably the best, and yeah, I just, I don't know what happened. I guess he, he was channeling that anti-Brett Lowther energy. He had no ice in his veins. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going with that. So, that, that does suck, but not the biggest one I've seen. And then this one, I don't think I... I saw, like, little bits of the game, but I didn't see the whole thing. Um, Winnipeg, once again, beat the Red Blacks. This time it was 19-12. to Yeah, and once again, the Red Blacks keep it close. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was a slow start for both offenses. Why do you think that is? You know, I I think, like, it's still kind of early in the season, but I also think it was two good defenses playing well. Ottawa might not have as good a defense as Winnipeg's. They had their full pieces back in Winnipeg, and they were all starting to click. So, yeah, I just think it's kind of fresh. And, yeah, just a good defensive battle to start the game. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't want to take anything away from the uh, from the defenses here because watching the game, watching the game, I was actually very infuriated. And I thought it was because Winnipeg's offense came out flat. But, like, looking back, Ottawa's defense was – no, I think it was the other way around. Like, Ottawa's defense was playing well. And luckily, Winnipeg's defense was able to kind of bail out the Winnipeg offense for the first half. All right, for this one, I'm going to recuse myself once again, but I do kind of, I do think there's something there historically to the offense kind of being a bit behind the defense in terms of the early season. So, <laughs> and then did Winnipeg make the right decision to give the reins to Oliveira and Augustine rather than keeping Andrew Harris? You know, I'm. It'll. I'm. I'm curious to see how Carter answers this because he's a Bombers fan. Um, right now, I'm gonna say like, if I was Winnipeg, I would have kept Andrew Harris. He's quite a price tag, but I, I guess they are kind of looking forward. But right now, could be forward for them. Like Zach Claros isn't gonna stay healthy for six years. You know what I mean? Like, there's they got a pretty limited window with this All Star team they have here. So right now, I'm gonna say they should have picked Harris, but it is early in the season. Yeah, I like what you had to say there about like um like yeah, Caleros is not going to be around for like he's not one that you're necessarily building for the future with. Like Winnipeg went through that rebuild cycle. This is where you win, right? And they've done exactly. a good job of that. But um at the same time, when you have these guys who have won back-to-back championships, everybody's going to be rightfully so asking for a little bit more money. So when you got to cut prices somewhere, you got to look at what was the reason that we really won last year. And a running back who, while very good, didn't play for half the season, 
not necessarily on your highest list of priorities when you had a historically great defense and you had the MOP on offense as well and some wide receivers that you could get for a little bit cheaper as well, like Drew Walatarski and Rashid Bailey, who were reliable, but not like the star guys. And we can sort of hope to develop them into being the star pieces this year. Um, so I think um, like letting him walk was like, I feel like if it wasn't him, it was going to have to be somebody else. And I don't feel comfortable letting anybody else walk from this team, at least none from who are like the all-star level players. So I think right now, fair. right now, I think they made the right decision, but obviously that can change because we're just two weeks in. Yeah, I, I like that though. That was good. I'm inclined to agree as well. Football at the end of the day is a business and the cost of keeping Andrew Harris is probably just as if not more expensive than having two of these guys. So for me, I think it's the right call in the long run. Might not be right now just because Andrew Harris, we talked about how great of a game he just had. So it, it might not pay off right now, but I think it'll pay dividends in future. And then, what does Ottawa need to do to get that first win of the year? You know, it they've been play, like like we've been saying they've been playing some good close tight games and stuff. It's just getting into that, getting into the end zone on offense has been tough for them. Like Mazzoli, he's thrown for tons of yards already this year, but I don't think he has too many touchdowns. Maybe two, I think. So, you know, it's just. Oh, sucks yeah they just got to get that offense in the end zone and then i think they're going to start clicking because like they're holding their own against the great cup champions you know i they're not that bad yeah that's how i felt about it it's like um we were kind of joking about it before we started recording um taylor and i we were just saying like what does ottawa need to do probably just not play winnipeg to be honest like <laughs> they, they could, like it's the way that they're playing they could probably beat a good handful of teams they could probably beat five out of the remaining eight Maybe like I could see that. Yeah, I could see four or five teams on the other side of it. No, yeah, there's definitely have, some maybes. Unfortunately, they have a bye week and then come back against BC. And BC is like a question mark, but leaning on the side of I don't think they can do it. But who knows? I mean, I think like I think that they are like. Like right now, I, I haven't seen enough to justify this opinion, but I could see putting them like smack dab in the middle of the league, like fifth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. I know I struggled uh, putting them as far down as I did on my power mm. rankings the week before. After they, they're going blow for blow with Winnipeg, and as we know by the last two Grey Cups, Winnipeg is no slouch of a team. So for me, they just honestly they need to catch a break. They need to play you know a mid level team. I think that'll be their first win of the year. Will it be that EC game? I don't think so, but I definitely think they're due, and I think their game against BC will be competitive, to say the least. And then, I missed this entire game, which sucks, because I heard this was an epic comeback. Uh, Calgary defeated the Ticats 33-30 in overtime. And I know our big theme of last week was this week one, don't quite hit the panic button yet, but for some, in some cases, maybe keep it around somewhere. So, speaking of that, should Hamilton be hitting the panic button now after this huge comeback loss? Well, that's it's interesting because yeah, you said it was a great comeback win, and I mean Hamilton, like it was so bad on Hamilton's part the way they collapsed to be up like twenty four three at halftime, and 
just fall apart the way they did. They scored six total points in the second half. Like even if you do score forty in the first, that other team can score forty in the second, and it just takes forty-one to win. And that's what happened here. Like they, Calgary just needed that chance. Bo Levi lit it up and took him to took him to get the win. Calgary scored twenty points in the fourth quarter. Jesus, think about that. Think exactly. About, think about like so. I'm trying to do some quick mental math. My head, so twenty-four to thirteen. Fourth quarter at the start was twenty-four to thirteen for Hamilton. Wouldn't it be ten? Because they had to get the field goal in overtime. I'm assuming, but it could have been before that. I don't oh know. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So twenty-four to ten. So that's even worse. <laughs> but um, looking at Hamilton, like should yeah. they hit the panic button? Like in what capacity? Because if you're talking about like, um, like quarterback decision. I don't think so. I've been on the Dane Evans train. I think Dane Evans looks better on like the Hamilton side of things. I think like I think Masoli's doing great on Ottawa. Um, but I think that Dane Evans was the play. I thought he was the play last year as well. Um, but I'm just trying to find where the issue is, and it sucks because like all the stats are good. So you kind of got. I kind of have to rewatch the game. But <clears throat> well, and let me. I I put this question in there, so I'll just kind of rephrase it too. Yeah, like with. Uh, with the panic button per se, I mean in like in clutch moments, they can't do anything. In the second half, they're almost scoreless, yeah. and they let the other team come back and beat them that bad. I'm not so. I won't lie. Um, sorry, sorry for not letting you finish here. It's just it's going to be tough in the East, and you know these are going to be crucial games coming up. They can't keep losing and losing in a row. It's not like they're going to end up in the bottom quickly. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I remember um, I once had a. Uh... Uh, I, I had a rant on this podcast, I think in the first season, um, because of how poor the Bombers were doing in like second halves consistently. Um, so if I was a Ticat fan, I might be hitting the panic button right now because I remember being a Bomber fan and doing that when they sort of died in the second half. For sure. And I think this kind of fits the old CFL cliche of no lead is safe. Kind of thing. That's where my That's brain really. goes. Yeah. So, yeah, didn't see the games. Can't really comment too much on if Hamilton did indeed choke fully or not. It sounds like they did, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did. They may have to be put it on. Put the panic button. Take it out of the drawer. Put it on the desk for next week. And <laughs> if, if something happens again, you might need to hit it. So. And then has Bo shut down the haters with his play? You know, it it was a like it, it was a slow first half for them, which doesn't play for favor in him. They only scored three points in the first half, so uh, I'm gonna say he's quieted them down. But it's gonna take another week or two to shut them down for the season because while he had a good game, it'll only take one or two more to bring back the whispers of Jake Mayer. Yeah, no, you did not do good enough. He was talking like he's already talking trash on like three down nation and stuff like talk when he's like doing interviews and stuff, not with yep. three down nation, but like three down nation is reporting stuff like that. Um, no, like 66.7% completion rating. That's not our percentage. Excuse me. That's not bad. Um, two, two touchdowns to one interception. Is that, is that the level of play that we expect from Bo Levi Mitchell middling? Like we expect, we need late game heroics to win games against Hamilton. Is that what we're? Is that like no? For what we're expecting from Bo Levi Mitchell, this is not good enough still, because 
you're not going to be able to lead like like when you're falling up like behind that much when you can score three points in a half this is the 10 percent that you win 90 percent of games you are going to get smoked not yeah win. yep there you go there. that's so true um yeah i don't think he quite shut down the haters uh Maybe won't get any call-ins on his radio show heckling him this week. I don't That's know if fair. that happens, but, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, so Bo, I don't think he shut, shut them down completely, but I think they're going to be quiet for at least another week here. And going back to the standards for Bo, this is a guy who at one point was a regular MOP, you know, favorite, and had a very legitimate shot at the NFL a couple years ago. But, yeah, I think the shoulder injury kind of slowed him down. And so my bar is a little bit lower just because of that injury, and I think it took some of his arm. But, yeah, I don't know. This isn't quite, like, vintage bow either. So, yeah, who is to blame for the comeback? Packers offense uh, stopped scoring or the defense that gave up 24 plus points. You know, it's, it's tough to say who's to blame, but uh, teams are expected to give up some points in a game. So I'm going to give it to Hamilton's offense for being flat in the second half and only allowing two field goals to be scored. Uh, you know, if they would have scored another touchdown and a field goal or even just another touchdown, the game's over. So I'm going to take it on them because they gave up some very crucial plays. And I mean, not that it's like one play, but it did come down to that receiver missing that ball and being tipped. I mean, it's luck, but, you know, if he held that ball a little harder, it might not have the same outcome. That's true. Um, but I will I'm actually going to say it's the defense's fault, because how do you get gifted a situation where it's like, OK, as long as we don't give up two touchdowns in the last 15 minutes. We're fine. And they gave up more than that. Like, that that just is mind-boggling to me, how it's like, you have so much of a cushion, and it's just like, all you have to do is, like, hold them to field goals. That's it. Like, you don't, like, they could score on every drive, but if they're just getting field goals, they're not going to make it in time. Like, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think it's more on the defense, but like you said, this is a complete team shutdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, you win and lose as a team. And mm. credit to Calgary staff for making the appropriate adjustments at halftime. And it, I just guess Hamilton got outcoached because Calgary was able to make those adjustments to shut down their offense and open things up uh, for their offense against Hamilton's defense. So for me... I think they just got out coached, but at the end of the day, you win or lose uh, as a team. And I think there is kind of blame to go all around here with this loss because, yeah, the offense shut down and the defense just gave up everything. So, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Is it's a team? It's a team loss. And then let's go to this last game. I did catch the second half of this one. So, Riders win in Edmonton. 26 to 16. So Jamal Morrow definitely made a name for himself in this game. And has he solidified that he is the starter for the season? Uh, yeah, I, I really think he has. I mean, he had a kind of a slow start, but uh, that game just kind of really showed us, I think, what he knew he could do. 
And now the, like I was a fan that was kind of worried about our running back situation. And I don't expect 126 yards every week, but like if he keeps up the high level of play, I'm happy with him as the running back because he let that, or he let Cody like throw and play option and do what he had to do to get the win. Yeah. Like, well, like let's look at him. Like he also had 28 yards receiving. He had 126 rushing. Um, he had 10 yards on a punt return, 47 yards on a kickoff return, like or total yeah. kickoff returns. Like, he was everywhere. Um, I think that, yeah, you found your guy for now, and, like, all-purpose yards, I think he eclipsed 200. Yeah, surely. Surely he did. Um, yeah. Or you got close to it, at the very least. Yeah. So, while you're not going to get that every single game, you don't necessarily need that with the way that Saskatchewan is built. I don't think they were designed to be, like, a rushing first type of team. Um, nope. But the better, obviously, better running backs help. And I think that's what you found. I think you found a, a really good running back. And so if I was in Ryderville, I'd be uh, breathing a lot easier. For sure. I know me and my boss were discussing this uh, last week. He didn't have a ton of faith in Jamal Morrow uh, because of his performance, I guess, week one, which was not ideal, only having 14 rushing yards. He definitely had a much better game this week. So I'm curious to see what he does against the Montreal. But I'm not completely discounting Hickson either, who's his backup, who's definitely snuck onto this team uh, with good back-to-back preseason performances and has looked good when he has gotten the ball in the regular season. So I'm not entirely ready to give him the spot for the entire year. I just, again, I, I just want to see him do it again. If, he, if he's productive again and has another good game, yeah, it's probably his. But if he has another game where he only gets 14 rushing yards, uh, maybe you look at Hickson for the runs, but he was great uh, receiving out of the backfield, even in that week one game. So even if, per se, he doesn't get the majority of the run plays, I think he's still going to be involved in the receiving game and on teams. So I definitely think he's earned a role in this offense. I'll say that, but maybe not the starting job. And then let's talk about that Chris Jones defense. Ooh, ooh. Give it up 400 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Defense What's the problem? Specialist. Yep, defensive <laughs> specialist Chris Jones, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> what's the problem? DB's line play, what do you think it is for this defense? You know, I think it's a little bit of combination of both because there were some very big catches that were got. Like Shaq Evans had a really nice catch. Mitchell Pickton for his touchdown was like he had nobody around him. He was wide open in the end zone. And uh, like for Jamal Morrow, a young CFL player to have the game he did against some pretty big names on that defense. You know, it, it's surprising to see them do this bad. So like, I'm going to say it's a bit of both. There's just, they've been so inconsistent and yeah, I just, I don't really see the specialist right now. That's, that's Edmonton, what I'll say. Edmonton's been pretty consistent on defense, just consistently bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, when you've got, hang on, let's see. Um, so we got Wilder and Lawler. Um, they're on the defense list for stats for getting tackles based off of interceptions. <laughs> yeah, turnovers. So it's like, that's not a great sight. Uh, and it's just like, looking at the list, it's just, it just looks like everybody comes out flat. And at points when, like, and even not looking at just that in general, but like, you see those back-to-back snaps? Um, the back-to-back wild snaps from Edmonton. 
Yep. That blew my mind. The fact that it's like twice in a row, once in a field goal situation, Sergio Castillo with the big brain play to attempt a pass to at least like revert the yards back. But (laughs) still like that's insane to me. Um, But yeah, just looking at this uh, Edmonton Elks team, they're currently firing on no cylinders. Nope. For sure. And this reminds me of that. What Carter's talking about there reminds me of my cousin who used to play for the team formerly known as the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, He was their long snapper, and I remember the special teams coordinator didn't like him one year, so he left and went to Winnipeg, and the guy they replaced him with sucked. And I remember Glenn Suter talking about it on the play-by-play. It's like, you never would have seen this if so-and-so was still here. And I'm like, yep, that's my cousin. You know, and yeah, I don't know. Those bad snaps definitely hurt. And but for defense, I think Jones just brought in too many Jones guys that are too old. Like you look at Ed Ganey, you know, he's he's okay, but I think he's lost a step. You know, he's not that insane three pick or four pick game that he had a couple years ago. Not the same guy. Uh, he's same Aubrey. I didn't even though he was in the league last year, uh, getting meaningful minutes, and he's a guy I like, but even then, it's like, he's living in the past a little bit with some of the guys he's brought back. Um, but one thing is definitely for sure, once Deron Carter comes back as a safety, <laughs> as a safety, his defense is going to be fine. They're going to be elite. No one is getting Go and pick free. Bo Levi Mitchell is shaking in his boots when Deron Carter <laughs> makes his debut at safety. So Whatever that is. Yeah, that's... Yeah, for sure. And then, after week two, uh, do the Riders still keep that crown that we were talking about before as the league's best defense? Uh, in, my, in my opinion, yes. Just the way that they've been uh, getting sacks. I've I seen a stat today that the Riders have more stacks than the whole East combined right now. So uh, just just with the way they've been playing, you know, another couple picks this week and stuff, I'm going to say, yeah, they're the best defense right now. But Winnipeg has only had one week with Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. So give it time. Things could change. Yeah, I think like crowning a championship or a crown, I guess, would be the crowning a crown uh, or the... Uh best defense so far right now um like if yeah if you forced me to say a name i would probably go with saskatchewan um but i think it's too early to say that definitively but um who knows i mean bc's might even be that good i mean they held edmonton to less points than saskatchewan did yeah i know we're looking at bc's defense and they're kind of sneaky underrated this year the only Mm -hmm. thing they're really missing is kind of that elite ass rusher and yeah, I kind of made a comment week one that Saskatchewan didn't have that either. But at the same time, like as a team, there's just so many really good pass rushers. Like you might not have that alpha number one, like a Willie Jefferson or a Jeff Coat, you know. But you have guys that are all like really close to that, and that's basically your entire D end core. So it's like, yeah, uh, I think they had eight sacks week one, and so they. They have a total of 13, so they had five last week. So if you take away that first week and just include the five sacks they have, they still lead the league in sacks. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I 
I do think right now they are the best, but again, we'll kind of see. Uh, Winnipeg, I still think their secondary needs to kind of wake up, but yeah, so for now, I'd still say it's Saskatchewan. And then, does this give more legitimacy to that BC win last week following uh, this game? Well, I think it, it it's tough because we've only had one sample from BC so far, so it's really tough to judge what they're like. Uh, like Edmonton did give up 400 yards again this week, so it, it's tough. Like it could just be the fact that Edmonton's really bad, and that's why Ed, or BC played so well. So I'm really curious to see how they play another team, and then I feel like I could answer that question better. I feel like it legitimizes the offense, but I think the defense still has some question marks because, yeah, it's like on par yeah. with what we saw. Um, but I think it legitimizes, like, if I was a BC Lions fan and I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe our offense can kind of, maybe they can go. Like, I'd be a lot more, like, I was still already feeling fairly safe with Nathan Work after that first game. But then seeing this one as well, seeing the Edmonton Elks play someone else, I'd be like, oh, so Nathan Work probably really is that guy. If you're still at doubts. Yeah. For me, I think it might give a little more credence to BC, but not too much, just because uh, Edmonton's obviously going to make adjustments, and they're at home, so I don't think they're going to let up as many points. But, yeah, it does It does mean, I think, that uh, BC is legit and can hang in this league right now. So let's move on to our power rankings. So for me, I have Saskatchewan number one, Winnipeg two, BC three, Calgary four, Toronto five, Montreal six, Ottawa seventh, Hamilton eighth, and then Edmonton in the basement. Yeah, no, uh, we're sitting fairly similar this week. I got Sask at one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it. I just didn't see enough from either team to like kind of change it up. Uh, Winnipeg at two, Calgary at three. I think they're doing some good things there. Toronto moves down to four, uh, even though they won. Uh, but, you know, it kind of wasn't a win, so they still kind of, I, I think if it was Calgary, they would have got whooped. Uh, then I got BC, Montreal, and Ottawa at seventh, uh, Hamilton at eighth, and Edmonton in the dumpster at ninth. Um, so for myself, I've got Winnipeg first because one thing that I feel like kind of quieted down from last week to this week is the fact of how hard it is to win a home and home, especially when you're playing a decent team. So the fact that they were able to get both of those done mixed with Saskatchewan's um, play against Edmonton, while good wasn't as great as we thought it would be. I've got Winnipeg one and Saskatchewan in second, um, then BC in third, um, Calgary in fourth, Toronto number five, right in the middle, then Montreal sixth, Ottawa seventh. And then Hamilton eighth, which I've, I I think even though Hamilton lost, they've kind of rejoined the pack a little bit. And then Edmonton definitely has not rejoined the pack. They stayed down in the basement. For sure. And I was actually asking my boss, because he's also a CFL hardcore fan. Uh, again, shout out to Ro. But um, for uh, a power rank, is I asked him, like, hey, I didn't see all the games. Am I off base on any of these? He said, no, you're pretty good, but... Why does Taylor have BC in fifth? And that was a good catch because I'm curious about this too, Taylor. Why is why is BC so far down and you have Calgary and Toronto ahead of them? Uh, you know, I could I could switch Toronto and BC, but uh, I'm gonna just go with 
BC's only week one sample against Edmonton, at least Toronto played a better team in Montreal. Like I think Montreal is a lot better than Edmonton. So that's why I'm going to put them there right now. If BC had a second game where they won, BC would be where Calgary is right now. But it's only because we have one game. That's it. That's fair, but that game was such a dominant game. But it was Edmonton. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. if it was against Calgary or Winnipeg, totally. But yeah. it was Edmonton. Yeah. Like, if it was, le- I guess what you're saying is if it was against a legitimate team, that it would be higher. But because it's not, then. Yeah, I that's still why like, I have them there. BC is young. Like, people have really good games, and I just want to see if it accumulates to the next game. But yeah, that's what we'll see. Okay, fair enough. We have to defend myself in the comments this week. Yeah, this I know. Week, hey, I, I got it from Calgary fans pretty much leading up to the entire season. So it's <laughs> it's someone else's turn to get some shade thrown at them. All right. And then so we're jumping into CFL fantasy here. Uh, best positional options from most to least expensive. At quarterback, I have Cody Fajardo, Nathan Rourke, and Trevor Harris pending on if he starts so anybody else you guys would recommend here uh zach claros eighty seven ninety three. i'm taking him that's seems like a good pick at home this week against hamilton's defense yeah talking about good picks for home teams i'm going with uh zach claros looking fairly cheap i gotta go uh hunt down the number right now i don't have the fantasy thing pulled. oh i got him yep thank you because i'm a terrible podcaster but uh yeah I think that um, Zach Caleros, that's a surprisingly low number for the uh, defending MOP. So. Fair enough. I know uh, he doesn't get those rushing points like a lot of other guys. So he has a low floor. He'll, he'll definitely get you above 10 points, but he's not Cody Fajardo or Vernon Adams or Nathan Rourke now, I guess, where he has that rushing upside and can get you 20 plus like Claros just isn't going to do that, but he will get you above 10. And I mean, if that's your standard for a quarterback and he is so cheap, that's fine. And then let's jump into running backs. I've got Trevor Harris, James Butler, Jamal Morrow, the combination of Antwi slash Fletcher, whichever one starts there. Uh, we don't know as of right now. Uh, I'm going to assume because they traded for him. It's probably Fletcher, but for me, I have Antwi in my lineup right now just because he's more expensive, and if I have to make that switch, you know, then I can. And then I have Kadeem Carey or Peyton Logan. Uh, Carey is listed as injured. No real word on if he is going to miss significant time, so... Keep an eye on the depth chart there uh, in case Carey isn't starting this game. Anyone else you would add to this list? Uh, no, I got Andrew Harris and Jamal Morrow in my lineup, so I think um, you're going the right way. I'm rolling with uh, Harris, and I'm going with Antwi. Um, I think that he might get forgotten about in the shuffle a little bit, might get some sneaky yards in there. Fair enough. I've got uh, Harris, Logan, and Antwi right now, so we're pretty much in the same boat there. And then wide receivers. Let's jump into Eugene Lewis, who has been very, very good. Kenny Lawler, also been very, very good. Duke Williams coming back, I think, will be really good. Greg Ellingson, Lucky Whitehead. Stephen Dunbar, 
Jack Evans, Ian Schaefer Baker, and Keon Hatcher. Oh, and also Reggie White. Uh, is there anyone else that you guys would add? Uh, possibly, I got Richardson Danny in my lineup right now. First week he had 17, last week he had 7.5. So I think there's some upside there, especially with them playing uh, Edmonton in Calgary this week. He could have a good game. Um, I like, out of all the receivers that I have, the one I think I'm the most excited to watch is Herji Mayala against, uh, against Saskatchewan. I think that he can put up some numbers, regardless of who's at the quarterback spot for Montreal. That's fair for sure. And then defense. I actually have two defenses this week. Saskatchewan, who has consistently been good, and Calgary, who is playing Edmonton. So you either go with a defense that has been putting up points or you go with the bully, the team that has given up points philosophy. <laughs> and also, technically, Calgary is a value pick because they are only, what, um, 32-44. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. So if you're looking for, if you got some excess salary, might spend it there. What about you guys? Any other defense you would pick this week? No, I don't think so. Uh, uh, well, with, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, maybe if you want, like if you're going with a full defense, Winnipeg could be good too, playing Hamilton at home this week. You, like, you know, this is this is Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, and all those guys. Like it's their first game all back together. So could be a good game. Um, no, I'm going with Calgary. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. I'm going with the bullies. Fair enough. Uh, let's go with our value picks, 3,500 and lower. So, shout out James's teammate is first on this list. God, this name. Luther Akunavanu. How did I do yep. on that one? I think Akunavanu. Yep. Yep, Akunavanu. All right, there we go. Uh, Poppy White. And Dalton Schoen are my value picks. Um, is there anyone else that you would add in that 3,500 and under category? Uh, yeah, I really don't think so. I was going to say maybe uh, Shaw Bain out of Calgary, but he, even with his time, really hasn't done a lot yet. So it's a risky one. Um, I'm just trying to make sure, yeah, not somebody that you said. Um, maybe Mitchell Pickton? Yeah, I was going to address that because I, 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 I have a premonition. I can hear my boss yelling, why is Mitch Pickton not on this list? And Yeah, that'd be the only the, extra that I'd say. The reason I don't have him on here is because last week he was filling in for Duke Williams. Like He was yeah. playing that spot, so Duke is going to presumably come back and take his spot back. Um, Pickton played so well, uh, maybe they kicked Justin McInnes out of his spot, but for I'd me, be okay with that. Uh, I need to see him on a depth chart before I put him on this list, just because yeah. I think that McKinnis probably does keep that spot for now, at least. So that's kind of why he's not on here, is I, I think he's not going to start this week. And then, where else? Anybody else in here? There was someone I thought about, but I can't remember. I think it was Prowl, but he hasn't done too too much uh, on back-to-back weeks, so he's also not on this list. And then let's get to our locks. Um, I said after that BC game, I will take Nathan Rourke if he is under 10K, and he is this week. So he is my lock. He's pretty much staying in my lineup no matter what, just with that rushing upside. And 
he proved that the arm talent is real last game. So, yeah, I think he's the guy I'm going with in my quarterback spot and my lock for sure. No, fair. Yeah, I'm going for my lock. I got Jamal Morrow. Trying not to chase the big game, but I just have a little... I'm putting some faith in him this week, and I just think uh, with them playing Montreal, he could have a good game. Just if things are tough in the air, then they're going to go his way more, and even if things are good in the air, they're going to throw to him a bit too. So I think he could have a really good game this week. Um, As for myself, I am going with Andrew Harris. Um, He looked crazy good in his uh, double blue debut. And I think he's going to keep that rolling if he's able to play. That, there's that asterisk there. I'm assuming he will be, and this is assuming he plays. Yeah, for sure. I know um, he's in my lineup too right now, but yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Now let's get to our predictions where we are all tied, boys, at <laughs> six and two. And I'm, I'm glad I'm being this tie. I was 4-0 last week, so... Here are my picks. I've got Saskatchewan beating Montreal, Winnipeg beating Hamilton, Calgary beating the Elks, and I've got BC beating Toronto um, this week. Yeah, no, we're lined up the same. I think Sask is the only uh, road team to win this week. Winnipeg beats Hamilton. Uh, Calgary will crush Edmonton, and BC should win the late-night game, but that could be up in the air. It just kind of depends what B or what Argos show up. So uh, I'm I'm going, I have to make something different. We can't just all do the same thing. <laughs> no. Being a contrarian for the sake of contrarian. I know. Yep, it's a it's a toss-up for me, and I, I had to change one, and this one is the most of a toss-up. So Montreal, I'm going over Saskatchewan, then Winnipeg, Calgary, BC. Fair enough. And what do you guys think is actually the toss-up game this week? For me, uh, I think it's probably that Toronto-BC game, but I think it also could be Sask-Montreal. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning the same way. The, it's going to depend what Toronto shows up, but that Sask-Montreal game could be interesting just with Dan Clark out and stuff. Like, you, you never know, so. Um, man, I don't know. Looking at... Sorry, I got a little bit of a mic issue. Could you repeat? Oh, um, all good. So, which would you say was the toss-up game this week? Is oh, it? Oh, yeah, Montreal, yeah. Saskatchewan. Fair enough. All right, and then let's get to our off-the-pod activities. So, for me, it was weddings and lots of wedding-related stuff going on recently. Uh, one of my older cousins had their wedding up in Wasque Sioux, so I was there pretty much all weekend with that. Pretty good ceremony. Uh, got to see a lot of family, so that was all right. And then I know the week before I was getting a suit for my best friend's wedding coming in October. And then I have another wedding going on in August. So that's kind of where I'm at with all of this. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I mean, it's just been a lot of work lately and just like family activities, just hanging out with the family and schools winded down here. Uh, but the show that I've been really excited about, uh, Kenobi is finishing this Wednesday, the series finale or season finale, at least. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. The last episode was amazing, so I'm sure it's just going to be hyped up just like this one and do just as well. Um, yeah, as for myself, finally, finally catching up on the boys. 
Um, finally decided to sit down and watch it. I got a free month of Amazon Prime, so I was like, you know what? Let's do it. I've heard so many good things. Yep. I have to, right? So yep. I'm on. I'm just on episode three, but I've been enjoying it so far. That's good. I know. Uh, I recommended it last week, and it's definitely worth a watch. I know you're early into it, but season three has been really good so far. And there is a. I'm not gonna say the name of it because this is a family friendly show, but um, <laughs> this next episode is about a really infamous thing in the comics that happens that. I'll say this much, it has its own Wikipedia dedicated to it. So, <laughs> that's, it's, it's a big one that some fans are looking forward to, and again, Boy is not a PG show, so don't be showing this to your kids, but it is a good show if you're looking for some good satire on the superhero genre. And then, I believe that wraps up the show, so thank you very much for listening once again. You can follow our social media at True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search True North CF Pod or True North Canadian Football Podcast, and you'll find us. Once again, I have been your host, Mike Schwan. This is the True North Canadian Football Podcast signing off.